Hello team, before we dive into today's episode, I need to tell you about the six-week program I'm running called the EHC Reset. We launched this for the first time back in the summer and it turned out to be a huge success. I did a whole episode on the concept of the reset in episode 399, so you can listen to that if you want a full rundown. However, this is the program for you if you need something to get you going, to get you feeling and looking your best again. Perhaps your health and fitness is going okay, but you know you could be doing better and you need that little boost. Or if you want to commit but aren't prepared to invest three, six, or even 12 months into a journey right now, then this is the program for you. In the program, you'll receive a 30-minute call with me to discuss your goals and what you want to achieve over the six weeks, a comprehensive training plan tailored to your goals, tailored nutrition plans to help you get tighter with your nutrition again, check-ins throughout the six-week period, unlimited support and communication with myself personally throughout these six weeks, and of course, an opportunity to get yourself in an amazing position before the end of 2023. There are only 67 days left of this year, which is why the program is beginning now. If 2023 hasn't quite gone how you wanted it to generally or when it comes to your health and fitness, you've still got time to finish off this year without any regrets. You can email me the word ready using my email below or message me on Instagram or Facebook with the same word if you want some more details regarding the reset. And just a final heads up, the program entry date closes this Sunday. We won't be accepting any requests after this, so email or message me now if you want a spot on the program. So take this opportunity and I'll look forward to hearing from you soon. And now to today's episode. Hello team and welcome to episode 414 of the Simply Fit podcast. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Danny Carroll. Danny has survived cancer of the lung, testicle, jaw, and skin, and has spent the last 17 years studying alternative healing therapies in search of the holy grail of health and wellness. During this search, Danny discovered a new body of medical knowledge called Germanic Healing Knowledge, GHK, created by Dr. Hamer, who concluded that cancer is a survival biological program designed to ensure your survival and not kill you. To clarify, I am not a medical professional and the information shared in this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered as medical advice. Always consult with a qualified healthcare professional ahead of trying any alternative treatments. In this episode, you can expect to learn why Danny truly believes that terminal cancer is a misdiagnosis, Danny's explanation on how cancer is really just a coping mechanism, along with what Danny's thoughts are on chemotherapy and traditional treatments of cancer. So without further ado, Danny Carroll. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm very well, Elliot. Thank you for hosting me. Pleasure is truly mine. I'm excited to get into our topic today. It's going to be one that we've not explored too much on this podcast just yet, so I'm sure there's going to be a lot of insights to share. But before we do, can you give the listeners a bit of context about who you are and what it is that you do? Yes. Um, my name's Danny Carroll. I've spent the vast majority of my life in either venture capital, uh, asset management, or strategic management consulting. I grew up in London. Um, I've spent the last 28 years living and working in India. Um, my permanent residence is in Bombay and in India. I have a home also in Dublin, um, so I switch my time between Dublin and Bombay. I have also spent the last nearly two decades, just a little shorter two decades, um, researching cancer to discover the holy grail of health and wellness. Um, and I've spent the last eight years helping primarily late-stage cancer patients to, uh, and, and often when doctors have sent them home to die. 
um, to to fully recover their health by addressing the cause of their of their disease. I'm now a, a best-selling internationally published author. Um, I I've authored a book called Terminal Cancer is a Misdiagnosis, which is this one, which is currently available on Amazon to buy. It's uh, hit number one in 11 separate categories, bestseller in five categories, hot new release in six categories. This is the, uh, the outcome and the results of my 20, nearly 20 years of research into cancer. So that's my, that's my background. So usually I would dive a little deeper into someone's background. I'm sure we'll get there in just a moment, but I can't overlook, and I'm sure the listeners can't overlook, the term that terminal cancer is a misdiagnosis. That is a very, very strong statement indeed. What led you indeed. to leading with that statement? And is that something, I assume it's something you truly believe, otherwise you wouldn't have put it on the front of your book. Absolutely. No, no, it's, it's, it's very deliberate. I mean, I spent the last eight years helping many people, hundreds of people who had been given a, a, a terminal cancer diagnosis to, to fully recover their health. The problem that we... The problem that we have with our healthcare system is that it's a, it's a system of symptomatic treatment, okay? Now, take yourself out of medicine and put yourself into business, okay? When we go into business, the first thing that we're taught in business is that you can only solve a problem by identifying the cause of the problem. If you, if you try to address and solve a problem by addressing the symptom of the problem, then the problem will just keep coming back because you haven't addressed the cause. Now, those principles, those same principles apply to our healthcare. Um, unless and until we address the cause of a problem, the problem will keep coming back. Now, most people are aware of the fact that uh, the conventional medicine is a, is a system of symptomatic treatment, i.e. they're only addressing the symptom. If somebody came to you in business and said, sir, 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 I've tried to solve this problem and I've not been able to solve it, and you said, okay, tell me, what have you done to solve the problem? And all they do is tell you that they've been trying to address the symptom of the problem. Then you would, you would send them away and say, go and solve the cause of the problem and then you'll solve it. Okay, now those principles also apply in healthcare. So when terminally ill, terminally ill cancer patients come to me and their doctors say, oh, and the doctor said nothing more can be done. And I say, well, what have they done? And I say, okay, well, all they've been doing is addressing the symptom. Let's address the cause of the problem. And when you address the cause of the problem, you can then solve it. So that's why I have the title, Terminal Cancer is a Misdiagnosis, because if you have only attempted to address the symptoms of the problem, in my mind, you have no ability to say the problem cannot be solved because you haven't attempted to, to solve the cause of the problem. You've only addressed the symptoms of the problem. And we're taught that, we're taught that in our first day in practicing business, in, in, any, in any business modality. But it seems that those same principles do not apply to, to our health. And this is not only conventional medicine, but this is also all forms of alternative medicine. Okay, I've studied, if you go online, you'll find a, a TED presentation I did in, in 2010 on nutritional healing. But that wasn't a solution either. I mean, the, the, as we get through, I'll explain, but the body uh, and the organs are just a symptom of the problem. Um, unless and until you address the cause of the problem, which is a life crisis or a, an emotional trauma or a pressure that, that's going on. You just got fired from your job or your wife just left you or some problem like that. Um, until you address the, the external trigger that's triggered the, the chain of biological events that, is, uh, that has affected your, your organs or your biology, 
um, then you'll never be able to solve that problem. And basically, that's what I've learned to do. Yeah, it's a fascinating approach and one that seems very, very logical to anyone with an open mind or a way of looking at things from not just the conventional way, but just asking the second question of what else could we do versus the first automatic approach, which is, as you know, and as we know, it's just treating the symptoms. And I want to come back to the part of your story where you transitioned out of business. You've mentioned that strong business background, but what led you to even looking into this in the first place? I think the listeners would love to hear that. Okay. Um, it's a bit of a sad story um, as, as all things happen in life. Um, I think it was 2004. One of my colleagues in, um, in India, in Bombay, um, she, she got a cancer diagnosis. She was also a close friend of mine. She got a cancer diagnosis. She couldn't afford the cancer treatment and she didn't have insurance. Okay. Um, and in India, if you don't have money, people will be very happy to step over you if you're dying on the pavement, right? I mean, that's, life has very little value here. There's 1.4 billion people and nobody cares, right? So I ran a, I ran a marathon in Bombay and I, um, I raised a lot of money for her cancer treatment and she was delighted. When she went into hospital, uh, she looked fit and fine, according to me. Uh, doctor said she had cancer and whatever, right? So, um, so b before she went into hospital, she looked fine. When she went into hospital and started uh, cancer treatments, she used to message me from hospital saying, Danny, I don't know what these doctors are doing, but it feels like they're putting poison in my veins. Okay. Now, at that point in time, I knew no different. Um, so I strongly encouraged her to continue with the, with the treatments that they'd um, uh, that they had told her she needed to take. And she basically, she had three rounds of chemo and she died. Okay, now I was devastated at the time. I funded her treatment and, and I ensured her compliance to treatment. And at that time, Elliot, I, I swore to myself that I would search to the ends of the earth to find a better solution to cancer. Okay, so then I studied... For, for, for many years, this was a hobby, right? Uh, I, I continued with my business activities and all of my spare time went into, into studying alternative healing modalities. I spent 10 years studying nutritional healing. As I said, I've got a TED presentation I did in 2010 that you can find online. I, uh, I studied about flower remedies, which is an English healing remedy for emotional healing for about seven years. Or maybe the solutions in the body, maybe the solutions in the head. But I didn't, and I, I studied energy healing, I studied spiritual healing. But the problem I had with all of these modalities is that you're going to have, you're going to have two patients. Both have got exactly the same diagnosis. You give them exactly the same protocols. You put them on a vegan diet, or you give them bark flower remedies, or you give them Reiki, or you give them whatever, whatever modality it is that, you, that, you're, that you're giving them. Um, and one lives and one dies. And, and there was never any explanation. I would, I would be asking leaders of each of these communities, why is it that, you know, same diagnosis, same protocols, one lives, one dies. Why is that the case? And nobody could ever give me an answer. And for me, that's not good enough. So I continued my, um, my search onwards. I mean, I tested all, I test everything on myself first, right? I mean, I turned vegan for five years. I practiced with bark for, for six or seven years. And, and all of them have certain benefits that they give, but they are not 
the solution to the problem. So in, what happened is in 2012, I had a very, stra- a very, very strange cathartic healing experience that completely changed my view of how we function biologically. Right? Um, for six months, I had golf ball-sized knots in my calves, in my thighs, in my arms, in my back, and literally you could see them, right? They were like huge, huge golf balls inside my knots. And I'm a, I'm a keen marathon runner. Um, and at this point in time, um, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't walk, let alone run. So I was in physio. Um, I don't know whether you've ever had knots ironed out of your muscles before, right? But uh, I was in physio, and what they basically do is they get their elbows like this, right? And they iron, they iron the knots out of your muscles, right? So this is excruciatingly painful, bruises all your muscles, um, and is terrible. And I go back two days later, and the knots they iron out come back again, right? And I'm on this excruciating merry-go-round for about a six-month period. And um, I, had a, I had a unique challenge in my life at that point. Um, my wife's an American diplomat. Um, I met her when she was posted in Bombay. Um, but her second posting was in Santiago de Chile. Now, nobody has a long-distance relationship between South Asia and South America because that's crazy. So we'd agreed that when she left, when she left Bombay, we agreed that we would terminate our relationship. So it got, to a, uh, it got to about four or five days before she was due to leave. And the problem we had, Elliot, was that we'd become soulmates. Okay, so... Um, we we couldn't terminate the relationship. So on the Friday evening before she was due to leave, um, we basically agreed that we would not terminate the relationship, but we would let we would try a <clears throat> a ridiculous long distance relationship and see if it fizzled out naturally. Okay, that was the plan. <laughs> How did that work out? Now, well, we're now married, right? So it worked out very well. <laughs> but uh, I went to I went. Elliot, I went to bed on Friday evening and my, my body was still riddled with these golf ball sized knots as they had for six months previous. And when I woke up on Saturday morning, they'd all magically disappeared. Poof, poof gone. Okay, so I, I was blown away. I couldn't believe it. Now, at, at that time, Elliot, I, I didn't know why the knots came and I didn't know why the knots had disappeared. All I knew was that the only difference between Friday night and Saturday morning was that um, my girlfriend and I had agreed that we would terminate our relationship, right? So that was the only change between Friday and Saturday. And these knots, these knots disappeared and they never came back. Right. This was a huge wake up call for me um, in terms of how the mind can essentially both cripple us and then give us give us back our health. Boom. Just like this. At a snap of your fingers. Right. So um, I would planned to do a Ph.D. to um, to see if I, I had a I had a hunch, Elliot, that if my mind could cripple me as it had and then give me back my health, bang, just like this by solving a, a resolving a conflict. But there may be a similar mechanism between cancer and and the mind. So I was planning to do a PhD and I was looking for a university that had a medical specialization and a psychology specialization. So and I was planning to, I was planning to build a bridge between them to see if I could explore this mind-body connection system, right? Because 
what, have I, what, what I'd done historically is I'd studied the body, right? And I studied the body separately. And I'd studied the mind through bark flower remedies, right? And I, but I'd studied the mind separately. What I'd not done is basically is make the critical connection that this is a holistic system, right? You can't study this and you can't study this. They're not separate units, right? This is just one holistic system. So the solution that you're looking for has to involve this entire system, right? And I've been studying bits of it and couldn't work out because none of it was sort of fitting together, right? So when I was looking for this university to host this, um, this PhD, um, I found this German medical doctor who was reported to have a 92% a success rate in healing terminally late stage and terminally ill cancer patients using a form of mind-body medicine. I'm like, oh, wow. And this is the, this is the Bible of this. Um, this is the, the body of knowledge that I've spent basically the last 10 years studying um, which is the Bible of mind-body medicine. Now, this, do this doctor's story is absolutely fascinating. So he was a traditional medical doctor. Um, he, was, he was an internist, which means that he was a research specialist. And what happened to him was that his 19-year-old son in 1978 was shot and murdered. Okay? Two months after his 19-year-old son was shot and murdered, he got testicular cancer with metastasis to the stomach. He couldn't help believing, I mean, otherwise he was in his late 40s, he was a healthy guy, right? His son gets murdered two months later. He get. I mean, he was, he was diagnosed with a testicular teratoma, which is a very rare form of testicular cancer, right? Now, he was a traditional doctor. He didn't know if there was any causal link between his son getting murdered and him getting cancer on a reproductive organ, right? But he thought that it just it couldn't it couldn't be a coincidence. So he he was given a 1% chance to survive and he survived it. He had surgery, he had his one testicle removed and he had part of his stomach removed. But he didn't have chemotherapy or radiation, which I understand most doctors don't. Okay, now when he recovered from that surgery, um, he was working with two. He he was the uh, he was the head of a gynecological oncology cancer research unit um, that was associated with Munich University in Germany, and he was working with um, two hundred late stage female cancer patients, right? Because he was the head of the gynec unit. What he basically did, Elliot, was that he started interviewing these, these women to see whether they had um, gone through a similar life crisis Some type or of trauma, emotional yeah. trauma that, that he had gone through when his son was shot and murdered. And out of 200, 200 had. So then what he did is he started separate, he started putting them into separate categories. All the women with ovarian cancer, with cervical cancer, uterine cancer, mammary gland breast cancer, introductory breast cancer. He started putting them into separate categories. And what he observed is that the women in the same category had all suffered from the same type of life crisis or emotional trauma. Right. So all the women with ovarian cancer had all suffered from some form of profound loss in the same way that he'd suffered from a profound loss when his son was murdered. And, in, in, and similarly, women with mammary gland breast cancer had all suffered from some form of nest or care conflict, i.e. a problem within their close family or within the home. So then he started seeing patterns between them. Now, fast forward uh, 39 years of cancer research, working directly with 
over 50,000 cancer patients. And what this, what this German medical doctor basically concluded is that whilst today we think that cancer is a disease because we're only looking at the symptom of it, right? It's an abnormal, fast-growing cells, okay? Which is absolutely correct. They are abnormal, fast-growing cells, Okay, but what this doctor discovered, right, his son was murdered. He got a fast growing tumor on his testicle, right? So what he later discovered is that that tumor on his testicle was functional tissue and it had a biological function and a biological purpose, right? That tumor on his testicle, basically what it was designed to do was to increase his capacity to produce testosterone and sperm so that he had a greater capacity to get his wife pregnant so he could replace the child he just lost. Okay? Now, you take, you take the example of, of, a, of a mammary gland breast cancer, right? Now, in a mammary gland breast cancer, say, uh, so it, uh, the biological purpose of a mammary gland is to produce milk, right? The only, the only time a woman produces milk is when she's pregnant and when she's nursing, okay? Now, say a woman's walking along the street, she has a five-year-old child, okay? And she's talking to a friend and the five-year-old child pulls away from her and runs into the road and gets hit by a car, okay? Ends up in ICU. Now, what will happen is as soon as that child gets hit by the car, the woman will start feeling a lump in her breast, okay? Now, what is the breast for? The breast is a nurturing piece of equipment, right? Before today's modern society, the only tool a woman had to be able to nurse a sick family member back to health again essentially was a breast, okay? Now, what happens is the child gets hit by a car, ends up in ICU. As soon as the child gets hit by a car, it's going to activate a program so that the woman can start producing milk again so that she can offer a breast to a sick child so that she can nurse that child back to health again. And once that child becomes healthy again, the program, in the same way when she stops feeding a baby, the mammary gland dries up and it switches off automatically. You don't have to do that. You just stop breastfeeding and, and the mammary gland will dry up and stop producing milk. Once a child gets back to full health again, that mammary gland will switch off so that it will stop producing milk and then the capacity that's been added by nature in order to help her to lack to, to breastfeed a five-year-old child, right? Nature's reactivated her capacity to breastfeed so she can nurse a sick child, okay? Once the child is healthy again, it will switch off the, the body's natural waste removal systems, including the bacteria, the, the fungi, the, the, the mycobacteria, will remove that extra capacity, gets removed out the lymph glands, and then the, the breast is essentially re returned to normal again. Okay, now in today's medical diagnosis, as soon as she feels that lump in her breast and she's got abnormally fast-growing cells, she doesn't realize that, that those abnormally fast-growing cells are not abnormal. All it is, all of these, every, what, what this medical doctor uh, concluded, Elliot, is that basically every single change in our biology, whether it's from a runny nose or whether it's from a sore throat or whether it's from 
uh, IBS or an eczema or psoriasis or a multiple sclerosis or an osteoporosis or a cancer or a autism or a Down syndrome. Every single change in our biology is part of what Dr. Hummer described as a survival biological program that is there to help us to survive, not to kill us. Okay? But the problem is because all of our systems of, of medical treatment are systems of symptomatic treatment. They don't know the cause of the problem and they don't know the purpose. They don't know the biological purpose of the problem. So they've got two key pieces of the puzzle missing. So they think that cells are multiplying abnormally because they've gone out of control, that genes are broken and they're going to spread around your body and kill you like a roving army from within. It doesn't work that way. Nature, is tr nature wants us to survive. So what nature does is when we, it's like if you're, if you're driving down the road and you see a danger on the, on the road ahead, you've got a choice. You can either put your foot on the brake or you can put your foot on the accelerator in order to avoid that danger in the road. Well, nature, nature does exactly the same thing, right? When we have a, a life crisis, in Dr. Hummer's case, his son was murdered, so nature increased his capacity to be able to reproduce so he could replace that child. The mother has got a sick child who's just been hit by a car. Okay, So what nature has done is reactivated her ability to be able to nurse so she can offer a breast and nurse the child back to health again. Now, we, 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 see, this, we see this in nature everywhere, right? If you, if you see a tree and the tree is uh, a branch or the, the, the bark of the tree is rubbing on a fence. What happens? What does that tree do? The tree thickens its skin so that it can survive where the, the tree is rubbing on the fence, right? Or if you, go into, if you go into a woodland, right, you'll see what do trees do? As soon as they start, they sprout these long, thin roots that go up to the sky. Why do they do that? They do that because in, in the base of the woodland, there's no sunlight. So the tree has to survive. So what, what nature does is it basically it adapts to its environment and it adapts to changes in its environment in order to ensure our survival. And it's no different whether it's a tree shooting sprouts up to get sunlight or thickening its bark in order to be able to protect it from a, a fence that's rubbing on, on the branch or on the bark of the tree. Okay, it's no different to animals. It's no different to human beings. The only thing is that we haven't understood how our biology works. And therefore, when when we have biological changes, we think that the body's gone wrong. Okay, in our lifetime, Elliot, nature is never going to make one mistake. The only problem is that we don't understand how nature works. And therefore, when we start getting symptoms of, you know, when Dr. Hummer, when his testicles started growing, or when a woman gets a lump in her breast, she thinks that her, she thinks that her body is broken. It's not. But her body is not broken. Her body's working perfectly well. The only thing is we don't understand it. Yeah, so essentially what you're saying is that it's an adaptive mechanism. Some type of trauma, some type of anything has happened to the body or circumstantial that has been enough to trigger that adaptive mechanism that the body needs in order to support procreation, which ultimately 
you know, if we look from a very evolutionary perspective, we're all built and made for. So essentially that will make a sense to the sole purpose of essentially existing as a human, but then that kicks in. And the th- few things that come to my mind, and I'm sure the listeners are thinking as well, is it impacted the dad of this son. Why is it that the woman didn't have a similar response? Obviously, it takes two men, a man and a woman to create a baby, of course. But at the same time, you know, the woman needs to, of course, give birth to that child. So why is it that she didn't develop something like, you know, some type of cancer in the, her uterus or ovary, for example? Yeah, I mean, it, it depends entirely on um, on how your subconscious mind perceives the event. Okay, so right. Um, and give you an example, if I, if I walk in and I walk in and find my wife with another man, okay, how is that, how is that going to hit my subconscious mind? Okay, now, if I was planning to divorce her, I'd be going out celebrating, right? I would have no, no shock, no conflict. You know, I'm like, okay, great, honey, there's a door, go and walk out of it. Okay. If I was madly in love with her, I would have been devastated, right? Yes. And then it, it, it could have caused her, depending on how my subconscious mind experienced it and which part of the brain it hits, then, you know, it could have caused any number of problems, you know, whether it's a, a, a territorial loss conflict or a, a self-worth conflict, you know, or a sexual conflict. It depends entirely on how you experience that at the point, at the instant of the conflict shock. So, I mean, and that applies to all conflicts, right? So, as I say, if I give the example of walking in and catching my wife with another man, um, there, could be, there could be 20 different outcomes, depending on the nature of our relationship um, and, and how, I, how I felt about her at that point in time. And your internal state of mind as well, right? As you mentioned, and the different things that you may feel it could have stemmed from, right? Because there is you know, one reason for it being emotional connection. It could be a lack of stability. It could be X, Y, or Z reason, but it's going to be the one that you internalize that ultimately gives you slash your body the answer in terms of how to respond as well, right? So that makes a lot of sense. So I want to get an understanding, of course, you know, doctors go down the route of the traditional prescription of the way that they have been taught to prescribe something like a cancer treatment, which tends to be something like chemotherapy. And what makes sense to me is because of a lot of people will say that the healing roots that are maybe more holistic or maybe more surrounded by working on the mind, for example, these forms of treatment are not quite as fast acting as something like chemotherapy, for example. So the idea is that it's kind of the same as antibiotics as well. It's like we don't have time to get to the root of your gut issues here. So we're just going to throw something that essentially removes all the bacteria, including the bad one that is probably causing the symptom or at least the problem in this situation. So when it comes to something like cancer, which is can be sometimes very terminal in the sense of someone might not have that many years or months to live, where do you go about prescribing something as fast acting potentially as chemo, which has you know potentially worked for some people, which I think has very, very similar properties to an antibiotic in that sense, just removing absolutely everything. And it's not a pleasant experience whatsoever versus treating it in a quote unquote slower way, but a way that maybe allows them to have a much higher life quality and, you know, an even better chance of survival potentially. So let's, um, let, let's unpack that. Let's let's go back to the the lady who whose child was hit by a, a car, right? In this example, the cause of the problem is the child getting hit by a car and then becoming sick, right? That trauma hits her brain, okay, and then the brain says, "Okay, we have a crisis. Uh, we have a sick child. 
we have to um, we have to reactivate the mammary glands, right? Now, if I if I fo- if I followed a conventional treatment, um, let's say that the woman goes to a doctor, she's diagnosed with breast cancer. So the first thing they'll do is remove her breast, right, and then put her on chemo and radiation or whatever. Okay. Now, if that child is still sick, that biological problem, Elliot, has not been solved. Okay. In the same way that the tumor on Dr. Hummer's testicle, if he'd got his wife pregnant, then the purpose of that biological program would have been achieved and nature would have switched that off. Okay. Bang. It just switches it off like a light switch. But a woman, okay, say she doesn't understand Germanic healing knowledge or Germanic medicine. She doesn't know that this is just nature reactivating her mammary glands so that she can, so, so that she can offer a breast to her sick child, right? She goes to the doctor. Doctor removes her breast, right? Now, child is still sick. Okay, now in, in conventional medicine, we have this concept called recurrent breast cancer. Okay, what is recurrent breast cancer? Recurrent breast cancer is where you get breast cancer on a breast that is no longer there. Okay, so I've done, I've had, I've had the mastectomy, I've done the chemotherapy, okay, and the child is still sick, so the, the, the purpose of the biological program has not been fulfilled. So then I get recurrent breast cancer, so the breast cancer comes, there's no breast, right, but the breast cancer comes back again. So on the area of the chest where the breast has been removed, and she gets breast cancer again. Now, why is this the case? Now, this is the case because the organ is the symptom of the problem. The cause of the problem is my child getting hit by a car and getting sick. That's the cause of the problem. The processing of that problem happens in my brain. Okay, and the organ is just a symptom of the problem. So my child gets hit by a car, it goes into my brain, my brain says, okay, crisis, sends down a signal, reactivate the mammary gland so that you can offer your breast and you can, you can breastfeed your child, right? I don't know all these things, so I get my breast removed, okay, I have chemotherapy, child's still sick, the biological program is still running in my brain. So the breast cancer comes back again, right? So the chemotherapy hasn't worked, and the, the surgery hasn't worked because the problem that triggered the event to start in the first place is still a problem. The child is still in ICU or still in the hospital, still sick, still not back to full health again. The only way to switch off this biological program is by solving the problem that triggered it to start in the first place. Okay, until the child gets well again, the the breast, that biological program has not fulfilled its biological purpose and it's going to keep running. Okay, now I'll I'll give you you another example of how this works. In conventional medicine, there's there's this concept called phantom limb pain. Now, phantom limb pain is where you have an organ removed and you still feel pain in the organ after it's been removed. I'll give you an example, right? I get gangrene in my foot, so I have my... I have my leg removed below the knee, okay, as an example. After I have the operation and I have my leg removed below the knee, I still get pain in the foot that's no longer there. Now, how is that possible? And Cleveland Clinic, Cleveland Clinic in the US, they did, a, they, they, they did a study on this and discovered that 8 out of 10 people who have organs and limbs removed still suffer pain after it's been removed. So if, you, if you've got IBS or ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease and you, have your, and you have your colon removed, basically you'll still feel pain in your colon even after it's been removed. So how is that possible? This works because the biological program, the pain is not in the organ. The 
pain is in the brain, okay? You have the emotional trauma, the life crisis. It hits the brain. The biological program runs in your brain and your brain triggers the organ. So the organ is only ever the symptom of the problem. The breast is the symptom of the problem. Mastectomy does nothing. It's useless. Okay, in fact, it makes it... Would that show up on a brain scan? Yeah. I can imagine the brain activity would change massively. Elliot, your entire life history is printed on your brain. If you can learn to read brain CT scans, as I have, then basically you can read somebody's entire life history from their brain scan. Only one diagnostic. And you come to India, a brain scan, uh, you can walk into any local diagnostic without a prescription and you can pay 30 or 40 pounds and you'll have a brain scan, a brain CT scan in hand in less than an hour. If I try and do it in the, in the UK, I'll have to get 10 prescriptions from 15 specialists and probably have to uh, sell a kidney to be able to afford it, right? <laughs> it's true, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, your your entire life history. So when you know, I've I've had I've had many many cases. I had a I had an elderly gentleman. He'd been sent home with biopsy proven stage four lung cancer of the alveoli. He said nothing more can be done. You have to go home and die. Right. So I basically I got his brain scan done, and when I checked the relay of his brain for his alveoli, there was zero activity, nothing. Okay. So what I what I did was basically. Um, I then looked at the bronchi, which are the tubes that go down into the lungs, okay? And the problem was in the bronchi, not in the alveoli. And he'd had a biopsy proving that the, that the cancer was in the alveoli, okay? Now, the lung alveoli, according to Dr. Hummer, is affected by what's called a fear of death conflict. Now, the, the, the tubes that go down into the lungs are, called, uh, are affected by what's called a territorial fear conflict. So then, uh, and this old man, had also lost his voice, which gave me an indication that he had a problem that he couldn't talk about. So when he came to me, when he'd been sent home to die, he was with his son. So when I got his brain CT scan done, I said, well, this is a misdiagnosis. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the alveoli. There's no activity on the, on the brain relay for the alveoli at all. Okay, the problem is in the bronchi. That means he's got a territorial fear conflict. What territorial fear conflict can this 74 year old Indian man have? He said, well, that's crazy. He said, I've got no idea. He said, he lives at home with me and my son and my wife. I mean, he's retired, you know, uh, uh, you know, he doesn't do anything in life. So we went through three or four consultations. And what we discovered is what happened. His grandson was his was his blue eyed boy. Right. So. What happened was one day his daughter-in-law came home from work in a really bad mood. And, and when she got home, for whatever reason, she slapped her son, her son around the head and said, go to your room. Right now, the old man was mortified by this. He thought it was terribly unjust. OK, so that then gave him a territorial fear conflict because his daughter had whacked his 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 grandson was his territory right territory is anything that's important to right. you yeah. okay so daughter-in-law whacked the son the son the grandson around the head and then because he couldn't talk about it he lost his voice right now what happened is when we found out the real cause of of what had affected his lungs i got the family together the daughter-in-law apologized to the son first said i'm really bad. i'm really sorry i was in a bad mood i came home from work and i was in a bad space um, and she basically then apologized to, to the old man. Um, and then his voice healed and his lungs healed and he was back in full health again. And he'd been sent home to die with a misdiagnosis of what even the problem was in the first place.
So with that being said, with all the information that we've gathered from you today, Danny, is there any way in which we can protect ourselves so that when these traumatic events happen in our lives, our subconscious interprets it in a way that, okay, we need to go handle the issue and we can kind of prevent our bio... It's, it's hard because it's like, how can you possibly prevent your biology from not intervening? But I guess the main thing is, like you said, the context in which you apply to that situation. But realistically, there's really no way of interpreting or really directing your trauma response until you go through that trauma right and our bodies and our minds and our biology reacts before we can subconsciously or consciously react i should imagine correct so you can you can never unless you go and unless you go and sit under a tree in the himalayas and meditate for the rest of your life you can never avoid unexpected conflict shocks emotional traumas or life crises right but what you can do is when when you when you have the knowledge that i now have that basically when you have that experience, when you know the biological program that's been triggered, you can forget the speed of chemo. You can switch cancer off like a light switch with your conscious mind, right? All of these biological programs run in your subconscious mind. When Dr. Hummer, when his son was murdered, he didn't sit and say, oh, let me, let me see if I can grow the size of my testicles so that I can increase my capacity to get my wife mm, pregnant. Of course right? not, yeah. you, you, you don't think that, right? So all of these programs run in your, in your subconscious mind. Um, now, you can use your conscious mind to overrule your subconscious mind, and I'll give you an example. In 2019, I had a, I had a five-second fight with my wife right, that ended up triggering cancer in my jaw here, okay, now, because it was such a short five-second argument, basically, it took me over a month to find that, uh, what caused that problem, okay, and by the time, by the time I, f I managed to switch off that biological program, um, and I'll explain how I did it, because there was a lot of, uh, a tumor had sort of grown on my jaw here, um, between the, the tumor growing and then when that tumor is removed by something that we call TB mycobacteria that the doctors also think is a disease, okay, that basically rots the flesh. So I had a taste and smell of rotting flesh in my mouth and sinuses for about four months. But what happened throughout that entire process, all my teeth fell out and my jaw, and my jaw was destroyed on this side of my mouth, right? So all of these teeth are false here, right? All of the, all of these teeth, all of these teeth fell out, right? Now, how did I switch it off? I, when you consciously connect the cause of the problem with the symptoms of the problem, it switches it off like a light switch. So when I said to myself, ah, oh, okay, I know I've got a tumor growing in my jaw because I had that fight with my wife that happened to be about American politics, but that's a different story. So I, I switched that off. So I said, okay, I know this tumor is growing because I had that fight with my wife and I was unable to convince her of my point of view and that's why I've got this tumour in my jaw and that switches the cancer off. You can switch cancer off like a light switch. Okay, now what happened is then the, 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 the TB mycobacteria removed that tumour from my jaw. My teeth fell out, destroyed half of my jaw and then I had to have a five-hour reconstructive surgery on my jaw. Okay, I had to have a bone graft and I had to have implants put into my jaw because all of my teeth had fallen out. I had one pain, I had 35 stitches in my jaw. I had one painkiller at the time of the surgery and I took a painkiller uh, the, the same night 
before I slept. And when I woke up next morning, basically, um, I hate taking painkillers. I hate taking any drugs, right? So I've switched off pain from many back pain and, and IBS pain and all sorts of problems through learning these medical, these medical discoveries, right? But I'd never switched off pain. I'd never switched off pain from a physical trauma, i.e. surgery, right? So next morning I wake up and I got the padum 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 in, in my jaw, right? And now, so I sat there and I thought to myself, what is the biological purpose of pain? So the biological purpose of pain is to stop you from using something so that it has the time, space and energy to heal, okay? Test this for yourself. If you cut your finger, right, if you don't use it, you'll get no pain when it swells up. If you let it be and you don't touch it, you won't get any pain, okay? Now, if you start doing the dishes, you put your hands into hot water, then it'll start going ba-dum, 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 right? It's telling you stop using this so that, so that it's temporarily broken. I need time, space, and energy for this to heal, okay? Now, I had a five-hour surgery. I had no teeth on this side, right? And I thought, oh, okay, I'm not going to use this, right? I can't chew on this side because I've got no damn teeth, right? So anyway, so I, I then had this... Uh, I thought, let me see if I can switch off this pain. So I had this discussion with my subconscious mind, Elliot. I said, right, okay, subconscious mind, the purpose of pain is to give the time, space, and energy for something to heal. I have no teeth this side. I'm not going to use this side of my jaw. I can't chew. So please switch off the pain. And bang, the pain switched off, okay? Now... Basically, what happens inadvertently at some point, food accidentally goes from this side and it goes around this side, right? So then as soon as the food, food goes around this side, you've broken the deal because you're not supposed to use it. So then when food accidentally went around this side, I said to my subconscious mind, uh, sorry, subconscious mind, that was an error. OK, let's go back to our previous deal. I will not use this side of my mouth. Please switch off the pain. Bang. Pain switched off. And I and I went through, I slept for between 20 and 22 hours a day for three weeks whilst my jaw was healing. And I went back to my doctor uh, three weeks after the surgery, after sleeping for three weeks, to get the stitches removed from my jaw. And when I went back to my doctor, he was absolutely shocked and my jaw had completely healed with no pain, zero pain. So when you have when 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 you have these med when you understand these medical discoveries, you can switch cancer off like a light switch. When you understand, basically the 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 life crisis or the emotional trauma that's the on switch for these biological programs is also the off switch. So do you have to have a huge sense of belief as well? Because I can imagine a lot of people are like, okay, let me turn my pain off or something along those lines. But deep down, they probably just don't believe that's going to be the case. And we've been conditioned so much to understand that cancer is terminal. It only requires chemotherapy or radiation or something along those lines to cure it. So there's such a so much of this conditioning to the point in which we now have to change what you know, we've been told by people in white coats for the last 50, 60, 70 years, depending on how old you are, to saying that now I can immediately heal this with my mind. I find that that transition is going to be very hard for people to essentially get themselves into a position of, especially when they've got something that seems like it's going to take their life in a short period of time. My advice to everybody who comes to me for help is do not believe a word I say. OK, you should not believe a word that anybody says. You should only believe anything with conviction when you have personal experience. 
Okay, so my strongest advice to everybody is remain very, very sceptical. Okay, do not believe a word I'm saying. But what you can think about doing is saying, that's very interesting. It sounds interesting enough to explore. And you explore these, this modality with an open mind. And when you start learning and you start going down the path where you have experience of switching off backache or rheumatoid arthritis or healing pain from surgery or switching off runny noses and sore throats and all of these things of which I have personal experience of doing, your conviction builds over time. So as you learn more and more and you switch off more and more of these conditions by addressing the cause of the problem. When you go down that path, you let your conviction build. Don't try and be, have conviction about something you have no experience of. It's just false conviction. That makes a lot of sense. And where's the best place for people to start exploring if they're experiencing you know, something like cancer, for example, or any type of pain or condition they might be going through? So the book I've written, Terminal Cancer is a Misdiagnosis, is the best place to start. This is written, this is um, basically an introduction to this body of medical science. It's, it, so the title is Terminal Cancer is a Misdiagnosis. It's on Amazon. Uh, my name is Danny Carroll, the author. Um, my, um, my website is danny-carroll.com. On this website, I'm in the process. This is the first book of a 500 plus book series. Okay, I'm writing one book on every disease because this is an introduction to the medical discoveries. Um, but you need to learn if you have breast cancer, you need to solve how solve that problem. If you've got psoriasis or eczema, the solution is completely different. If you've got rheumatoid arthritis, the, the solution is completely different. So I have, I'm writing one book on every disease. These are available to read for free on my website. They're on a, they're on a, a, a tab in my website called The Healing Tribune. Um, and this is The Cause of Disease Made Simple. These books are written so that anybody with no knowledge of the subject can read and understand them. They're part of what will be a 500 book series. Um, I've currently written one on IBS and ulcerative colitis, one on testicular cancer, which is this one, um, one on atopic dermatitis, which is this one, one on breast cancer, which is this one. There will ultimately be 500 plus of these books and they will all be available to read for free on my website. You can also, there's a resource page on my website which basically gives you all of the resources of this community. So you can navigate your way around all of the free resources, the paid resources. If you want to learn this modality or you just want to contact a consultant, I've got links there to find consultants all the way around the world. So it's a great place to start to guide you around the, around the community. That's great. I really appreciate you letting us know that, Danny. And with that being said, my last question today is, what impact do you want to have on the world with the work that you're doing? These 500 books, probably not for this generation, but maybe for the next generation, will ultimately be the new books of medicine. Um, and when we get past the... Uh, my, my teacher estimated that when his medical discoveries are allowed to surface, that 95% of all of today's symptomatic treatments will become obsolete. 
probably not this generation, but maybe the next generation, people will learn the cause of their, of their health challenges and how to address the cause of the problem rather than the symptoms of the problem. You address the symptoms of the problem and you end up where we are right now with chronic illness across society. It's fascinating stuff. I appreciate the work you're doing and it's been a really, really insightful and interesting conversation. So for anyone else who has further interest in this topic or has something going on with themselves or a family member, yeah, we'd highly encourage you to check out the links in the show notes below to uh, catch up with the work that Danny's doing. So Danny, thank you so much for your time today. It has been a really interesting conversation. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for hosting me in it, Elliot. It's been, a, it's been a pleasure to be with you. And that was the Simply Fit Podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast from. And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.